Wake up, NHL fans. It is Tuesday. This is the Morning Cup of Hockey alongside Kobe Cohen. I'm Johnny Lazarus. We got a lot of stuff to talk about in the NHL from yesterday's games. Marc-Andre Fleury now second all-times amongst goalies in wins. The New York Islanders are a mess right now. They got to figure their stuff out. Frank Valley is going to join the show at around 930, and we're going to talk about all the teams that had winning streaks who had them disappear yesterday and over the weekend. So a lot to get into. Kobe Cohen, tell me what's going through your mind right now. What's up? I'm just laughing because I know when we were talking about what we were going to get into today, you know, I wanted to start with Marc-Andre Fleury. I think that's the biggest story, but you seem to have a vendetta with the New York Islanders fan base right now. Um, I mean, you, you wanted to put them in the first block of our show. You were texting us last night as they were uh, getting beat up. Um, you just have something to give to that fan base right now. And, and here I thought you were a guy who liked to be, you know, not so much of a homer with the way that you look and cover the NHL. But I got to tell you, it's not seeming that way right now, the way you've got it out for the Islanders fan base. Well, if you haven't caught on by now, Kobe loves making shit up. Yesterday, he was just stirring all my words on Twitter and trying to make me turn into a rival with the Islander fans. And listen, like, I'm an easy target for them. I'm a Ranger fan. I grew up on Long Island. You know, Islander fans hate me because of that. I don't blame them. Uh, the same reason why they don't like Adam Fox. Adam Fox grew up in Jericho, grew up a Ranger fan. It's just, it's just how it works in New York. But I don't have, like, a hatred toward Islander fans. I actually kind of love them. I, I don't love Devil fans as much. Like, I think Devil fans are a little bit more of the... Uh, you know, I guess assholes for, for lack of a better term. Um, but I've been around Islander fans like my whole life. So I, I kind of like want to see them do well, to be honest. And listen, I've been alive now for 27 years, almost 28 years. I've never seen a Ranger Islander playoff series. Right now we have Igor Shosturkin and Ilya Sorokin. I want to see it happen. I thought this was going to be the year that it happens. And listen, the Islanders right now are a mess. And a couple of years ago, three, four years ago, they had an identity. They had a culture. They had swagger to them. Now, I don't know what the hell is going on there. We saw a lot of quotes come out of the players, come out of the locker room last night, the coaching staff. It just seems like things are very up in the air. And tonight, they go into Winnipeg and play against probably the best team in the NHL over the past month or two. And things could take a really bad turn for the worst tonight, depending on how that, that game turns out. But, I mean, right now, I mean, what do you think about the Islanders, just their overall situation? Well, first off, that's a tough trip into Winnipeg. It is yeah. because you're changing time zones. Um, I'll be honest with you of all the hotels that you stay in, in the NHL, the one in Winnipeg is the worst one. Um, you know, you're, you're generally staying at high end four seasons, Ritz, you know, whatever your team likes to do, but they're very high end. And when you go into Winnipeg, it, there isn't one it's, it's sometimes minus God knows how many degrees you can actually walk from the hotel, um, to the arena without actually having to go outside there. There's like a pedestrian way and you can kind of wiggle your way through some like weird little mall uh, in Winnipeg to get yourself to the arena. So what are you doing right now? <laughs> what? What are you doing right now? Just like giving us a brochure of Winnipeg? <laughs> no, I'm just saying I'm, I'm explaining why that's a hard game and why that's, that's, that's a tough game for, <laughs> New York Islander just breaking down. The well, I'm, I I I made a comment, Johnny, and I want to give it context. Okay, okay? I know yeah. you've probably never been to Winnipeg, have you? Don't plan on going either. Okay, <laughs> so why don't you just shut the hell up and listen okay. while I enlighten you about why it's a hard game <laughs> in Winnipeg? Okay. Uh, so what's going on with the New York Islanders right now? Uh, I, I I don't know, man. Their fan base seems angry. Um, mm. I'm seeing a lot of people that are not only ready to move on from Lane Lambert, who I always thought was kind of a weird hire. You know, I, I never really understood, like, why are you moving off Barry Trotz to hire Lane Lambert? It, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but, you know, you see a guy like Noah Dobson, who's having an absolute Norris trophy season, um, you know, and then a couple of other guys, Barzell is just about a point a game or maybe slightly over a point a game. But then, you know, Kyle Parmelier has only got 10 goals this year. And, you know, Horvat, who, who's put up good numbers, he, he needs to be better. Um, they've had a, a, a swath of injuries on the back end. So they've had mm -hmm. sort of that consistent group of, of you know, Pellick and Mayfield and, and all those guys that are usually, you know, minute eaters for them, you know, in and out of the lineup all season. But 
look, I, I don't think they're a playoff team. They're not playing like a playoff team. They don't look like a playoff team. Um, you know, they're out of the playoff spot right now. The teams that they're chasing all seem to, for the most part, be playing well. The Rangers aren't really playing well right now, but luckily they were so good early in the season that they built themselves a little bit of a cushion. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, you, you've got stats and you've got numbers that yeah. I know you were, you were telling me before the show and I'll, I'll let you get into those, but it's not looking pretty right now, you know, on the Island. Well, I think also what makes it worse is those two losses, the two recent losses in the last couple of days, like that turnover against Nashville in the dying seconds. You can't have that happen, especially by a veteran player, Matt Martin, like that. If, if you're in need of points, that can't happen. At least get it to the extra time, get it to overtime, get the point, right? Get the puck out of the zone. Don't throw it in the middle. It's like the one thing you learn as a kid playing hockey is never throw the puck up the middle. Um, and that turnover cost them. And then, you know, obviously they want a big response last night against Minnesota, a Minnesota team that's lost eight of nine games. Uh, you know, I, I remind you because it hasn't been pretty in Minnesota either. So that was somewhat of a, a must win game for the Islanders or, or a can't lose game. You know, I think there's, they needed that to boost morale and they go in there and lose five, nothing. They don't have any legs and the Islanders season, you know, you look from uh, November 15th to December 15th, that month span, the Islanders went nine, one and five second most points in the NHL behind Nashville and a plus nine goal differential since December 15th, the Islanders are five, seven and three, a minus 15 goal differential. And they only have two wins in the new year. So it's been a complete 180 for the Islanders over the course of the last two months where the Islander fans were, you know, begging for respect, you know, in that November to December window. And right now they're just begging for like a change. It seems like, so it's been kind of wild uh, how that turns out. But um, you know, I, I still think the Islanders are a playoff team. Uh, the Metropolitan Division, I have a story actually coming out today on it um, with how tight it is between just one through seven. The Columbus Blue Jackets have kind of, you know, pushed back and they're in the eighth seed by themselves. And I don't see them making any sort of push. But as far as, you know, Islanders, Devils, Hurricanes, Penguins, Capitals, um, Flyers, who have been the best team in the East since, I believe, November 15th. Shout out to my friend Lucas uh, Georges, who's watching right now. Um, you know, I think the Metropolitan Division is totally up for grabs. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Islanders found a way to get their names up there because another reason why, why they aren't. Why, why, why do you think that other than the fact that everything is sunshine and rainbows with you? Well, why do you think they're a team that's going to fight think... their way back into the East and like lead the East? No, no. I'm saying the Metropolitan division. All right. Sorry. The, their division, the Metro division. Yeah. What makes yeah. you think that? They're... What have you seen that makes you think that? They're eight points back. They've been scoring goals. I think one thing right now is they're used to getting incredible goaltending from Sorokin, and he's been pretty average too. Like Sorokin usually is a guy that stands on his head and helps them win every night. At least he did last year, and this year he hasn't been giving them the saves they need too. And they're well, finally they're getting the eight, they're they're a minus they're finally, eighteen overall with their goal differential, which means they're not defending well. They're not scoring enough. But Sorokin's usually given them problems. the saves. Sorokin's given them the saves in the past. He hasn't this year. So if it's been a little bit of a down year for him, what where's your confidence coming from that you think that he's just going to turn that around? I, I'm just curious. He's good I mean, I, he's, he's I, good I, enough to do it because now it just seems like you're you're just you don't want to beef with Islanders fans. So now you're you're oh, happily you, you dug their grave, but now you're going to lay in it rather than they're going to lay in it. I will happily beef with Islander fans, but with the way the Metropolitan Division is right now, like I would say the the favorite to win the Met is the hurricanes. And I think that's, you know, somewhat obvious. They've done it in the past five years. They've turned their game around this year. I don't think the flyers will sustain it. Even with goaltending issues in Carolina, because they do yeah. have goaltending issues. We talked about it yesterday though. They're so strong top to bottom. They play such a complete game. I'm not worried about their goaltending. Like as long as they're scoring goals, I think they're fine with the way they play up and down the ice, but the Islanders, you know, they've lacked goal scoring right in the last few years. Now they're getting it. So once Sorokin just turns his game on, I think they're fine. Well, what do you make of what, what Horvat said? Let, let's, let's tee up uh, Bo Horvat's comments here and, and let's take a listen to this and then we'll, we'll dive into it because this is a marquee player for the New York Islanders. And, you know, this is the type of guy you, you really need to speak up. At the end of the day, we need um, our best players to be our best players. And um, tonight that just wasn't the case. I mean, you know, they were ready to go and, and we weren't, and that's on, uh, that's on the guys in this room. I mean, at the end of the day, I got to be a lot better, um, and you know, figure out a way to to get the team going and and also get ourselves going because obviously that was unacceptable tonight, and embarrassing. So he calls out himself. He calls out the other best players. Um, 
you know, that's in regards to a five nothing shellacking from the Minnesota Wild, who, as you mentioned, have had a real difficult time the last couple of weeks. I'm glad the Wild did win that game because of what what that meant for Flurry. And we'll get into that in a couple of minutes here. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do you make of that? Uh, Because it seems to me like he's talking to maybe Barzell. He's talking to Paul Mary. He's talking to Nelson. I mean, the best players, right? Uh, You know, Noah Dobson can't do anything else. I mean, he's been a star. I mean, I don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making it. Like, I think that's such a, like, I'm trying, I'm lacking the word here. Not average thing to say, but like, I've heard that phrase. Is it a little bit of a cop out, you think? I've I've heard that exact sentence. We need our best players to be our best players. I feel like a million times throughout my years. So it's a cop out. Yeah, I think it's a cop out. Like, like what? Devontae's it earlier in the year. Like we got guys thinking they're playing good and they're not doing shit. Like, I think that's a call out. This is kind of like, you know, we just lost lost five nothing on the road. Obviously, I got to say something. Our effort's not good enough. Like Cal Clutterbuck after the game, Ethan Sears tweeted, he covers the Islanders for the New York Post. uh, Cal Clutterbuck was like, we were fucking bad. Like that that to me is just like saying it how it is, you know, like. Well, and it's interesting because this is a guy who was a captain in Vancouver and gets moved to the Islanders. And now look at the success Vancouver's having. And look at the struggles for the Islanders. Look, I'm, I'm, I don't know Bo Horvat from a hole in the wall. To quote our friend John uh, Tortorella, our um, friend, <laughs> I, I, I've never met him before. Yeah. Um, Horvat, that is, and so I don't know what type of guy he is. I'm sure he's a solid guy. I, I've never heard anything bad about him, but you know, uh, it, it is interesting because you're sitting here saying you think it's a cop out the way he's talking to the media. I agree with you, yeah. uh, by the way. So yeah. we, we do agree on that, which is surprising in itself. But, you know, this is a guy who gets moved and now Vancouver has been the best team in the NHL. So that's just something we'll, we'll, we'll have to revisit if, if things spiral um, for the New York Islanders. That was a big contract by Lou Lamarillo. I remember when they asked Lou Lamarillo about how much and he basically said too much. You know, he he, yeah, he openly yeah, talked yeah. about, yeah, I had a, I gave this guy way too much money. It is what it is. He, he clearly he hates uh, hates the contracts and this and that. I think Lou Lamarillo needs to go. I really do. Um, I think ownership there, uh, you know, with with Malkin and, and John Ledecky. I've met John Ledecky before. He's a really nice guy. He's I have very a, a well mutual, loved around here for sure. I have a mutual friend with yeah. him. He he. I was there doing a playoff game a couple of years ago with Sam Rosen for Westwood One. And my friend brought me up to John's box and I got to chat with him for a little bit. Super engaged, um, super genuine. Didn't, didn't, didn't make me feel like, okay, yeah, I'm just doing what I need to do. And then I move on to the next person. I mean, he really kind of gave me the time of day, which I thought was cool. And it always kind of stuck with me, but I think those guys probably need to take control back the ownership from Lou Lamarillo. They need to probably bring in someone a little bit younger with a little bit of a fresh perspective. I, I, you know, love to see, you know, a, a new general manager get an opportunity. One of these young guys, you know, that are sort of these up and comers, maybe Steve Greeley is a name that comes to mind who, who, you know, works with the Dallas stars, but you know, we'll see what happens there. I don't think the Islanders are a playoff team. I didn't think they were to start the year. I don't think they are now. Um, you know, I know you now think that their fans are a scumbags. B you think Horvat is, is a cop-out type of player. So okay, we'll, we uh, <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that as we move forward. But the game that set all this off was a five, nothing shutout for the Minnesota wild. And the reason that that is meaningful is because of Mark Andre Fleury hmm. and him moving into second all time with 552 wins, the 74th shutout of his career, 12th all time. What an, um, uh, I mean, like, we we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Mark Andre Fleury. And I've got some cool stories, personal stories that I want to share, but I mean, this guy has just been a wonder in the NHL, hasn't he? I mean, his personality, I think just is even better than everything he's accomplished in his, in his NHL career. Um, I had the chance to meet him once briefly last year. I went to like a wild practice to do an interview with Boldy and he was like the last guy on the ice talking to all the kids that were there watching practice that day, you know, doing, Typical Mark Andre Fleury stuff, but I would say also like my earliest memories of Fleury was, um, you know, watching like the HBO twenty four seven Penguins Capitals. That was the first ever time they did that, and Fleury was obviously a huge personality on that show. Um, if you remember, like him playing PSP on the plane with Sidney Crosby, like you know that's where I kind of first um, understood who Mark Andre Fleury was. 
but it's interesting. Like as I got older, you know, Flurry was, was always that goalie. Like I didn't like necessarily hate uh, growing up as a Ranger fan, but the Rangers played the Penguins a lot in the playoffs. And I hated the Penguins. Like they were the team that I hated the most as a kid because of Crosby, because of Malkin um, and, and stuff like that, just because of those playoff series. But there, there was never like a, a fear toward Flurry when he was in goal. And I don't know if that's the way he played or if that was his personality, like there was with a Marty Brodeur or like a Patrick Waugh. You know, so I think for him to be on this list, obviously it's a huge honor, but it feels different than Brodor and Wild. I don't know if you feel the same about that. Do you think that could be because you've got you've met him before? You you're working in the league. These people are your age now, Maybe. and you're kind of in it. When you were a little kid, I mean, because look, we, we were little kids. Well, you know, we you were obviously you're what five, six years younger than me, but we were very young when Marty Brodor um and uh, Patrick Waugh were playing. I think Brodeur, I don't remember what year he retired and we'll have to look that up because I remember he had that little weird stop in St. St. Louis, Louis yeah. um, on his way out. And I, I might have been, I can't remember if that was when I had already started my pro career or if, if that was when I was at BU maybe, but I remember being pretty close to it. But at the end of the day, like, you know, you you look at the numbers. I mean, the guys played over a thousand games He's got a career 912. And when you look at his stats, they're so consistent, right? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. he's always over 900 his entire career, with the exception of maybe one year when he was a rookie. Um, and this year, as of right now, they've gone through some rough patches. But, you know, my earliest memory of Flurry and, and the, the first encounter I ever had with him, um, I was in college at BU, and a lot of teams would come into BU to practice before they played the Bruins because the Celtics would have a game or there'd be an event, a concert, something going on at the garden. So what I remember is, is we're all sitting on the bench watching a practice the day before a game. Um, and you know, they're, they're doing a warm up drill, a five person warm up drill where everybody takes, touches the puck, everybody shoots. So there's five shots. There's a ton of passes, you know, by the end in the fifth shot, the goalies kind of sprawled out, to the left of the net, the shots coming from yeah. the right. And what I remember vividly is Mark Andre Fleury, his work ethic in a warm-up drill in practice. This guy didn't give up on one puck in one drill the entire practice. It could be a two-on-o drill where the the forwards or the defense, whatever, were assholes and they passed it three or four times right on top of the crease, like you're not supposed to do. And it didn't matter whether it was Crosby, Malkin, Latang, you name it, you know, he's going after every single puck. He never quits on a puck. And, you know, that stuck with me because I'd never seen a goaltender who never gave up on a puck in practice. You know, goalies could see a few hundred, you know, shots in a practice. Maybe, mm -hmm. I don't know, 200, 300 shots, depending on what type of practice it is. Um, and so this guy never gave up on a shot. And then I'd fast forward to, I don't know, six, 15 years later, you know, I, I'm working for the Blackhawks on their TV, you know, broadcast and they trade for flurry. They bring flurry in and I'm watching him do the same thing. 15 years later at the end of his career will not give up on a puck. Okay. Will not, um, you know, not face a shot, no matter if it's two on O or five on O it's just unbelievable. This guy's work ethic and the fact that he's carried it with him his entire career. Look, he won a Vesna. He won three cups. He's done a lot of really, really good things um, in the NHL. And it kind of always surprises me when people don't have him on their Mount Rushmore's of goaltending because he did win three Stanley cups. He did win a Vesna. He won a world junior. I mean, you know, he he did a lot of great things. You're shaking your head, and and listen, that's a reaction a lot of people get. Yeah. But um, I, I just don't see why he's not getting more respect as far as the all time greats go. And look, Andrew Raycroft had him at like what sixth when he mm -hmm. came on our I show the that. other day. <clears throat> so you know, I, I just I don't get it. I really don't get it. Well, I want to ask you a question. You're going into a game seven prime prime career. Who would you rather have in net? Marc-Andre Fleury, Carey Price, Henrik Lundqvist. The other two have never won a Stanley Cup. I've never been as high on Henrik Lundqvist as everybody else in the world, mm -hmm. but I, I did play against Carey Price, um, 
And I, I just think that he is the most intimidating goaltender I've ever gone against. Well, I think that's and the answer right there too. There's no like uh, intimidation with Flurry. I feel like because it might just be his personality. You know? Yeah, it could be because he's got a fun-loving personality. Yeah. We've seen the pranks. He's known as a prankster. He's always messing with guys. Um, he's the nicest and most friendly guy. You know, I saw a quote yesterday from Michael Russo at The Athletic where he talked about, you know, Flurry's the guy that every teammate tells you he's the best guy ever, yeah. right? And look, I, I was in the booth in Montreal a couple years ago for his 500th win, and you know, I, I, that was a very cool experience because the entire, you know, building in Montreal was chanting flurry, flurry. Cool. I mean, that is an opposing team player. Okay. Like everybody stays the whole, the whole game. It was a year where they were the two worst, two of the worst teams in the NHL, the Canadians and the, and the Blackhawks. Everybody stayed, everybody on their feet at the end of the game, every player on the Montreal Canadians came over and, and, you know, gave him love. I mean, it was a really cool scene. I, I was just lucky, dumb luck, we'll call it, that I was calling that game that night for the Blackhawks. Um, I think Eddie Olchek was sick or something going on. And, you know, it just shows you the type of respect that he gets from players. You know, maybe media people don't give him the same level of respect, but I'll tell you what, the players do. Well, no, I, I wouldn't say it's disrespect, but it's just like I've been saying this whole this Not whole disrespect, time. but just yeah. levels of respect. Yeah. It's just different. Like, I don't know. I just can't remember go like as a fan, like going into a game, like fearing, oh no, like they got flurry in that tonight. Like it's going to be tough. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it, but I do think the best thing for his career was going to Vegas and taking them to the cup final because the way things ended for him in Pittsburgh, like, yes, he won three Stanley cups, but he really like fully led them to one in Oh nine. You know, the other two, he started and played in the playoffs, but Matt Murray came in and relieved. Yeah, but you um, could make the same argument with a guy like Corey Crawford who lost the net multiple times in his Stanley Cups. I mean, Scott Darling came in and played big roles and yeah, but other comparing Flurry to those two? No, no. Mark, yeah. you know, not, I said Mark Crawford, Corey Crawford. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, no, I'm not. That's, but I don't that's think true. anyone, yeah, I don't think anyone like thinks of those Blackhawk days. And like, I, I guarantee you, if you asked, like any Blackhawk fan to name 10 players from the Stanley cup teams. I, I feel like maybe 50% wouldn't even mention Corey Crawford. You're time. wrong about that. You're hundred really? percent wrong about that. Corey Crawford is a God in Chicago. He really? is a God. He doesn't come around anymore, mm-hmm. but he's a God there. I, 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 I learned that I would have probably agreed with you a couple yeah. of years ago. And then I went and worked for the organization for a few years. Corey Crawford is an absolute living legend in that place. So mm-hmm. let's just, you know, let, let's just make Let sure squash we, that. we exactly. Yep. Let's squash <laughs> that right now. <laughs> but back to the, you know, Mark Andre Fleury Vegas thing. Like, you know, he was the first guy they brought in. He was the heartbeat of that team their first year when they went to the Stanley Cup final. And he somewhat set the tone for hockey in Las Vegas. Like, you know, he was a huge uh, member in the community there in their first year. And, you know, I don't know if it'd be crazy to say that they'd retire his number. Like, I, like, I mean, no. Yeah. I don't think so. No. I, retiring a number is, you know, that that's yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. You know what I mean? Is he a hall mm-hmm. of famer? Absolutely. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's unquite, you know, you, you, that that's, he should be a first ballot hall of famer um, without a doubt. Yeah. But you know, look, I, I think if you play in the NHL long enough, you're going to have ups and downs. You know, we could go look at anybody's career um, and they're going to have ups and downs. Um, you know, if you look at the trajectory of a guy who plays in the NHL for 16, 17 years, he's probably the last goalie who's ever playing a thousand games. Yeah. It's not going to happen again because goaltenders do not dominate the net like they used to. There's no 80, 20 split anymore in the NHL. It's at, at least maybe, you know, hella bucks a 70, 30 type of guy, but everybody else is kind of, you know, 60, 40 or, or even 55, 45 type of split. So, yeah, we will not see another goaltender um, play that many games. I'm going to make a prediction here. I don't think this is his last year. I, you, I think, uh, I think, think he's, he's going to continue Minnesota? to play. I, that I do not know. Um, that I do not know. Minnesota is going to have some, some, some decisions to make here at the deadline. They've already fired a coach. Um, doesn't seem like it's worked. You know, they haven't had the the production out of some of their their players this year. You know, Kaprizov's been out. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do with him as far as bringing him back or not. 
But at the end of the day, like I could see him, you know, playing another year or two in, in a one B role. I really could. Cause he just loves being at the rink. I, I was around him in Chicago for a year. I mean, the guy is what he does in your locker room, always smiling, always bringing the, the mood and the energy up. I mean, you know, He's just so friendly, gives everybody the time of day, media people, writers, TV, teammates, coaches, young players. It's it's you know, he's good for the game. He really is. So I, I that my prediction is that he's gonna continue to play. Um, I know a lot of people think this is it for him. I don't know. I really don't know. He said he's gotta play 15 more years to catch Brodor and wins. Huh. Um, that may be true, but uh I think he's gonna keep playing. He also doesn't strike me as a guy that would like say he's on a farewell tour, right? Like, I don't think he wants to make it about him. Um, you know, I, I, you would know better than me, but, uh, you know, that's a guy just like you said, um, you know, first goalie, right? Like everyone says goalies are so weird. Like the first goalie that maybe I, I've seen have a huge personality, just like growing up. Um, I can't remember any other goalie that has done anything remotely close to what he's done as far as, you know, outside of hockey. Um, right. so very cool. And like you said too, about his work ethic, I've played with one goalie in my life from Pittsburgh and he was the same exact way. Colin DeAugustine never gave up on a puck in practice. Always like the most fun goalie to shoot on in practice. Where he learned and, that's, it. and that's exactly, that's what I was. You know where he learned it. He probably yeah. inspired an entire generation. So congratulations to the flower, an incredible accomplishment. Hopefully he keeps winning this season. Hopefully we see him around the NHL. Um, you know, he, he's the, the last goalie left in the league that, that played and was around for the 0405 lockout. He's seen it all. So good for him. And uh, we will see what Minnesota does um, with their team because, you know, they're, they're going to have tough decisions to make. And, uh, you know, that, that will be on Bill Guerin's shoulders. I think, uh, you know, he's gone through some coaches now. He's hired a couple of coaches. So I think his, his seat, you know, not hot, not warm, but, but the clock starts ticking when you get onto that second coach. Um, it, it absolutely does. So, um, big night last night in the NHL, eh, Johnny? <laughs> yeah. Big day. A lot of hockey. I mean, I started watching that game at noon, the Sabres and the Sharks, but we saw a lot of winning streaks end yesterday and a lot of teams that we talked about yesterday in our power rankings, all those teams lost. The Kraken's losing streak came to an end. The Panthers losing streak came to an end. Vancouver's, the Hurricanes, Winnipeg loss on Saturday, the Avalanche loss. I mean, it was just a crazy day yesterday in the NHL. I can't really explain why that is that all those good teams lost. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of storylines. I mean, that Columbus versus Vancouver game was incredible. The shootout move. Um, who was it? Uh, Marchenko. Marchenko. Yeah, yeah, Marchenko shootout move. Was insane. He got that from Texas Day, that little one-hand poke through the five-hole. I mean, that was disgusting. What a game that was. But um, yeah. I love these- when guys start trying to one-up each other in shootouts. I think that that's cool. Um, you know, I think guys see what other players do and then they want to like build on those types of things. Um, I'm shocked at, uh, at, at the way that the Avalanche lost to Montreal last night. And, and one thing about that game that I thought was kind of interesting was that the... Montreal fans were booing Jonathan drew in. Um, they, they were all over him all game. And, and look like, I don't was drew in ever that good of a player there. Like why, why well, that's probably you, why they're booing him. Cause he yeah, but like, again, he, he, you know, he, he gets traded there um, into that situation. He deals with injuries. He deals with personal stuff. You know, I, I don't know if that was ever an environment that was real conducive for him to have success. I don't know. Like, I feel like you 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 reserve that for players that maybe were really good for you and then left. You know, a guy who like didn't play all that well for you mm-hmm. and you're and he's a local. I mean, he's 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 a French Canadian, Drew, and yeah. so usually they look after their own um, because they're they there's there's a lot of pride, obviously, with the French Canadian people, and they they kind of don't like the rest of us. So um, you know, I, I these are Montreal fans though. They booed Connor Bedard this year. <laughs> you know, no reason to boo him just because he's best player in Chicago and number one overall bet yeah. uh, graphic just passion. Yeah. So, so definitely uh, not a banner night for our, our power five, as we'll call it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering when we revisit that next week, if we're still going to have similar looking boards or if the trends are going to continue over the next couple of days. Um, obviously some teams have been, have been really trending up. I mean, you knew the crack and we're going to lose at some point and Pitt mm-hmm. they needed a win. I mean, they're, they're flirting with the playoffs. Um, Crosby just continues to to have an unbelievable season. I mean, 
what this guy's doing at his, you know, at his age and, and, you know, this many uh, years into the NHL without a, a real drop off and a real dip, like we're maybe seeing out of Alexander Ovechkin is, is, is pretty remarkable. I mean, it, it really is pretty remarkable. It seems like these young guys have pushed him to want to continue to be, you know, the, the, the goat from the last, however many years it's been since he kind of took the mantle. Right. Um, yeah. Well, you know how I feel about them. Uh, we know how you feel about them, yeah. and we know Cutter Goche loves Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. And Cutter Goche saved the Flyers. They've won four in a row since the whole situation went down. <laughs> Man, I, I mean, the the Flyers, they, they deserve a lot of credit. They win in St. Louis last night at the end of a three-game road trip, um, coming off of a homestand in which, you know, they, they stopped the bleeding on a lot of overtime losses. You know, that whole situation, I mean... I, you, you don't see them as a playoff team. At least you didn't two weeks ago. Um, I got to tell you that, uh, you know, this is a good hockey team. I mean, they're winning against quality teams, playoff teams, non-playoff teams that are pushing to get into the playoffs. It's, it's been, it's been fun to watch that team in Philadelphia. I will say they're, they're easy to watch. You just turn on the local channel. There's a lot of buzz about them, especially the way that the Eagles absolutely imploded last night embarrassing, embarrassing night for Philadelphia sports with the Eagles. It's going to be uh, black Monday for that whole coaching staff uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles. So probably time to take a break here, Johnny. Um, we're going to have Frank Saravalli on the other side of this break. Uh, we're going to talk to him about his trade targets board. Uh, there's been a number of players recently that have spoken out. Uh, Elvis Merlikens. We're going to ask him about that. Uh, he had some interesting quotes about wanting to be traded out of Columbus yesterday. So we're going to step aside here for a minute. And when we come back, Frank Saravalli will join us for the rest of the episode. And we will pick his brain about what is happening around the league. Welcome back to Morning Cup of Hockey. We're now joined by NHL Insider and the president of hockey content at Daily Faceoff, Frank Saravalli. Always fun to be joined by you every Tuesday now going forward. On this show, we don't have a name for the segment yet. Our producer, Vic, said Frankie Tuesdays, but there's no creativity to that. So we'll try yeah. to figure something out as we go along here. But as, um, as long as you don't call me Daddy Daily Faceoff, I'm, uh, I'm all right with it. I actually kind of <laughs> like that. I kind of like that. No, no. Johnny, what, did I what did I tell you about using the word daddy on this show? Yeah, yeah not, it's not it's to do it. Not, yeah, no good. Not to do it. Daily That's pretty funny. Um, all right, but let's let's get a little serious here. Yesterday, the Columbus Blue Jackets made headlines. Elvis Merzlikens, after their win against the Canucks, comes out, says he wants to trade. Have you heard any rumblings thus far about Merzlikens? I know it's only been about 20 hours. Yeah, 20 hours since he clarified publicly that he's looking for a change of scenery and has requested a trade. But there's really nothing new for the Blue Jackets and or four teams around the NHL. They've known for a while that Elvis Merzlikens has been available. They've known that he was looking for that change and it's now just become public and, and verbalized. And I think, you know, really kind of boiled over when he went a stretch of 10, 12 days, two weeks between games and is just kind of sitting there going, okay, well, what's, what's happening here as the blue jackets said that they're trying to get different looks from some of their younger goalies, including Daniil Tarasov. So for the other teams around the league, they've been watching him intently. They've been scouting him. They've gotten opinions from their goaltending experts. I think the big thing that's really standing in the way of Merzlikens or really any player that has some significant term is, it's hard to move a goalie that makes that much money. And yeah, his numbers have been good this year, but he's also coming off of a 30 appearances last year with an eight, seven, six. So, you know, you were looking at it last year going, okay, a few more years at 5.4 million bucks with a number that started in the eight seventies. It's going to be hard to get someone to sign up for three additional years of that, hmm. let alone to give the blue jackets any value in return. Well, not to mention, Frank, does anybody really have any idea what the Blue Jackets are doing with anything? I mean, it just never seems cohesive. They're scratching young players. They're putting them on the fourth lot. Like, it just seems like it's a little bit of a shit show in Columbus and continues to be. I saw you tweeted uh, the quote about Yurisek not playing and why he wasn't playing. And I, I kind of shake my head every time I see that. Two days in a row, two games in a row, David Juracek made a healthy scratch. Like we're talking about a top five 
top 10 prospect in the NHL at this exact moment in time. And they're healthy scratching him. You saw Fantilli playing on the fourth line out of position. You saw Ken Johnson healthy scratch to start the year. You've seen Cole Sillinger yo-yo to the AHL after, you know, a really strong rookie season. Like the big thing for me is the Blue Jackets have actually drafted really well. They've had to say goodbye to some of those pieces along the way including someone like a PL Dubois, for instance, but they've more or less made the right pick every time, but their development and fostering a competitive winning culture has been disastrous. And I think that's the real hallmark for this season has been, you could basically say since week three that the blue Jackets season was over and they had to start turning the page to next year. Yet they haven't done any of that in terms of, creating an environment that works for their youngest players. And that's really all that matters for a team that has gone so far by the wayside, continually adding big trade targets, free agent pieces from Johnny Gaudreau to last summer with Damon Severson and Ivan Provorov. Like it's been a team that can't get out of its own way. And it's Mm. frankly still shocking that Yarmo Kekalainen has a job. Yeah. It almost makes you appreciate more, how John Tortorella has handled Bobby Brink and Igor Zamula and, you know, even Morgan Frost. I, mean, uh, I don't know. I, 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 think I, he's, don't... I think he's left something to be desired, especially on the Morgan Frost front, the repeated healthy scratches. This is a guy that had 40 plus points last year. Like why? Like I get that you want to try and get the player to play as hard as he can and get the most out of him. But at some point you also begin to lose people. And I understand that, but you look at the results that they're getting and now they've put Morgan Frost back in for a stretch of games where he's played well. And the reason that I went there with you, Frank, is because I'm wondering about players like that. I I saw your trade targets board, um, which is on your social media handle. It's on the Daily Faceoff website and a couple of names that really interest me. And it it interests me because I'm wondering what the Flyers are going to do with a guy like Frost, a guy like Walker, and a guy like Nick Sealer. Because they're winning, and they're playing arguably better than anybody in their division right now. Um, and they, they've got the points to show it. So what is Danny Briere and, and, and Keith Jones and company going to do at the deadline? Because to me, it seems like they're caught a little bit uh, between a rock and a hard place with some of these guys. I, I mean, I said to you a number of weeks ago that the, this Flyers season has sort of been nightmare fuel. It's it's great that they are only a couple points back of the Rangers in terms of competing in this Metro. Like this is, they've truly defied every expectation possible and full marks, like no joke, full marks to John Tortorella and his staff for the job that they've done. If they make the playoffs, he should certainly be in the mix for the Jack Adams. He's undeniably a great quote coach, not a good coach. <laughs> the thing he's also is, a good quote. He is a He can be when he's not absolutely disparaging the media and then going to be a media guy when he's out of work. Uh, but that's a story for another day. My thing is <laughs> he's been so good that to me, the only real important part of the season for the Flyers is not the wins that they're piling up. Like, yes, you want to create a culture and an environment because we just talked about this with the blue jackets where success is expected and that you can bring your marketplace back into the arena because the flyers had lost this market for a while. Part of that has come back now, but you need to get answers. If you're Danny Briere on Morgan Frost, is he part of the solution or is he part of the problem on Bobby Brink and on some of these other guys where you've learned a lot about like an Igor Zamola this year? who has taken on some power play responsibilities and has been a a significant factor. It's not really about the end result because part of where this all loses me on the flyers is if they are to get in, does anyone really consider them a threat to do any damage? And if the answer answer to that is no, then I think you have to take a step back and look at the five-year plan. So to answer your, your bigger question, which is about Nick sealer and about, Sean Walker and some of the other guys that, you know, would make sense for the flyers to move on from. 
I think they have to consider the value that's available to them. If they can get something really significant for Sean Walker, who voiced publicly yesterday that he's really liked it here and would certainly be happy to stay, that if you don't get what you think is absolute market value, then keep him. Because it's not hard to re-sign Sean Walker and it's not hard to re-sign Nick Sealer, that these guys in some ways might be worth more to you than they are on the open market. I just think that they've played well enough this year that they're probably going to force the Flyers' hands in terms of making a move. Frank, please don't cringe <clears throat> at what I'm about to say, but I would love for you to turn your swag on right now. because Cringing, I cringing wanna, already, Johnny. I want you to turn your swagger on right now because I have a question about just the overall NHL team swagger. I think we've seen a lot of teams start the year hot. Now we're officially in the second half. Some of those teams have cooled down. The teams that had the most swagger, I think, early on were the Vegas Golden Knights, the New York Rangers, the LA Kings, the Vancouver Canucks have carried it. The Florida Panthers have found theirs. The New York Islanders have lost theirs. There's been so much back and forth, I think, just with the overall. Kings and Golden Knights have lost theirs. I said that. Did I not? No, you said that they had it early. They had it early. And they then the yeah, Oilers have obviously found theirs. Yes. Who else? So, um, who else? The Bruins have kind of had it a little bit back and forth. The abs um, have had it pretty good the last couple of weeks too. Mm-hmm. So I want to know who's, I guess, overall swagger identity right now. Are you bought into the most? And I guess which team that's creeping around the top of the NHL could use that extra boost with a player um, on your trade target list. I mean, obviously one that's been talked about as of late is Trevor Zegers. The injury probably sets that back a little yep. bit, but I'm curious on your thoughts with that. I'd say the team that I think I I really go back and forth on this. Um, I think the abs are a team that's probably waiting for an addition. Like I think everyone kind of looks at that second line center position and they're like, Oh, this makes a ton of sense for us to, you know, Ryan Johansson hasn't been that guy. You know, we've got to go out and find that person and they've got a little bit of cap flexibility to do that. I think they also need a backup goalie. I actually had Avs GM Chris McFarland on my podcast, Frankly Speaking, which drops on Wednesday. He was really forthright in saying, Georgiev's playing too much. He's on track for 68 games, probably five to six more than anyone else in the league, including Connor Hellebuck. They need to have him fresh when it comes to the playoffs, and his numbers haven't been that great, I think, based on some of the workload that he's seen. So the Avs are one team that kind of stands out as one that needs a bump, but I'll tell you one team that is probably under the radar on your swag rankings, <laughs> but has been, um, I just, I think consistently excellent. And that goes for a stretch in time in which they had their number one goalie out for a while. I'm going to say the Dallas stars. Like I, mm. I look at that stars roster and they're playing right now with Miro Haskin and like without him, when they get him back, like tell me, look at their look at their lineup chart on dailyfaceoff.com and tell me where they have a hole. I, I personally, I don't think they have one. And Wyatt Johnson proved last year in the playoffs that he can be your 3C on a Stanley Cup contending team. Yeah. I think their game is the style that they play is so perfectly suited for the Stanley Cup playoffs that they were my preseason pick to win the cup. And they've done nothing to this point as they just motor along to really dispel that notion. Yeah, they, that's a team mm-hmm. I know I you always like, Frank. And and when you have Jake mm-hmm. Ottinger in net, you know, you certainly always have a chance to win. But I, I want to go back to the early part of your response to that question. And I want to ask you about Valerie Nishushkin. Mm. Okay, we saw the news yesterday. He's going back into the player assistance program. So part of my question for you, Frank, is how does that affect a team's salary cap situation? Like, how does that work? Um, as far as what happens with the money of a player's contract when they go um, into the player assistance program. And and does that give a team like the Colorado Avalanche a little bit more of a kick in the butt, um, you know, to go out and, and make a move and, and try to find somebody uh, to come in and, and play, you know, in their top, the top of their lineup. I mean, I know John... Johnny boy here has, has been floating Jonathan Taves as an option for different teams on social media the last couple of days in which my response to him is shut up. You're an idiot because Jonathan call me Taves John doesn't ever. play hockey <laughs> anymore. Um, but you know, I, I just, I, I can't help but wonder when I see that news and, and I kind of wonder how that affects the Colorado avalanche. Well, it affects them first off 
not just cap wise, but on the ice in a big way. Like Nachushkin already had 22 goals this year in 40 games. He's already north of a point per game. And if you watch him play, he's he's got a lot of, you know, Big Val has a lot of the Nathan McKinnon force of nature part of his game where he'll just absolutely bull you over. And that part, they're really going to miss. Um, I'd say that based off of the incident that he had last year in a Seattle hotel room, which was really kind of expertly swept under the rug at a really busy time of year for everyone, um, that this, in some ways, people close to the abs really aren't surprised that something like this ended up popping up, that it was, I don't want to say inevitable, but they were certainly concerned about Nachushkin heading into this season. From a cap perspective, he still counts against the cap. Now, they can appeal to the league for some uh, relief of that, but um, as it stands right at this moment in time, he's not like an LTIR piece. He's still on the cap, which kind of, you know, it's not problematic, but it is what it is, and teams have to deal with that. So um, that's sort of where things stand, and Nachushkin... I just don't like you can't go out and even if you had the cap space, you can't go out and replace not just that productivity, but that style of play. Yeah. And he's been a guy that's been a key contributor to the avalanche team. Not, not just this past year, years before to their cup run as well. I mean, he's been unbelievable. And, you know, another guy that I feel like we have to ask about that's, you know, his name's floated around the last couple of days is Corey Perry. Um, obviously his impact in the NHL has been significant throughout his career and, um, just any update on what you've heard in regards to him and maybe where you see him fitting best? Yeah, his camp is fielding interest and it's been pretty significant. I think there's a number of Stanley Cup contending teams that are have inquired to at least find out more information and find out what this timeline looks like. Don't have any indication of of when he plans to to make a decision. I don't really have any doubt that he's going to be back playing in the NHL this year. And For me personally, the team that stands out as the best fit on paper is the Edmonton Oilers. I think they're they're one of those teams that's begun their due diligence process. I think they're one of the teams on his list that would probably have to be really intriguing. And he's just a gamer. Like I'd sign up to get Corey Perry on my team 14 times out of 10. On track for 50 plus points this year has played in four different Stanley cup finals, including three in a row in the pandemic era, all on the losing side. He's won a cup. He's won a heart trophy. He's won just about everything you could a serial winner that when you really look at the Oilers roster, the right side of their lineup, a second line, right wing, um, maybe a little bit above Corey Perry's, you know, sort of expectation level right now to be a guy that's kind of feeding, um, uh, Leon Dreisaitl pucks, but it's either three C or two RW for the Oilers at the deadline, at least in terms of their top priority right now. And he would go a long way at a league minimum or close to it to still allowing them to potentially pursue the three C option. I tell you what, he'd blend right into the Rangers locker room with his age. That's for sure. <laughs> Wishful thinking, Johnny hey, boy. Yeah. By, by the way, but like he actually does make sense as a potential yeah. right wing option, which yeah. if it's not 3C because the Rangers get Philip Scheidel back, that, you know, he, he could make a lot of sense for a team that could use another right shot guy. Yeah, the Blake Wheeler experiment went wrong, so why not bring Corey Perry? <laughs> Look, I think, for the, I think for the right number, Corey Perry makes sense for just about any contender. I, I just want to throw that out there. I mean, what could you go wrong having that type of depth in the bottom of your lineup where we saw early in the season he could still play on a power play in front of the net, he can still move up your lineup, he's been in Stanley Cup Finals before, so you know, I think just about any team that is cap-strapped, which is everybody that's competing for a Stanley Cup could use Corey Perry. Um, I personally would love to see him in Edmonton, Frank. I think that would uh, give him a, a, a good opportunity to kind of give that that lineup a little bit of something they don't have yeah. um, with Perry. That's that's the perfect way to put it. It's not that the the bottom six on that team is soft or anything like that, but he's just more willing than everyone else that they have. Well, Frank, I think uh, that's all we got with you for today. And I'm I'm trying so hard not to say daddy daily face off. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> um, that's my fault. 
You shouldn't have said that out loud because yeah. now I'm never going to let that go. Yeah. But uh, we really appreciate you coming on. We're going to have you, you know on. Frank is your boss. He could just fire you. If you I want. know. That's why I didn't want to say it. It's too good. It's so funny. Um, thank you for coming on, Frank. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you every single Tuesday at Morning Cup of Hockey. So we look forward to that. And uh, as always, thank you for the insight. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys. Oh, I know I'm getting a text after this. Just never bring that up again. But the, pr- that is- the principal, you're getting sent to the principal's office for sure. It just the rolls look, off the tongue so the, well. The look on the look on Frank's <laughs> face when you said that yeah. at the end. I hope we can get a screen grab of that and maybe use that for, for social media later. But, you know, look, I don't know how Frank has so much information in his brain. I feel like he forgets more about hockey than when it comes to that type of stuff than, than I think either of us will ever know. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's well-connected and he's got a beat on these organizations like, like no one else does. So, yep. Every day, nine in the morning, we'll have Frank, excuse me, every Tuesday, we'll have Frank on to, you know, bring us the latest news and updates. Um, I think that if, if anything crazy happens, obviously around the NHL, he's, he's always a caller, a text away. So we'll have him on for that. But, um, Lots going on today, Johnny. You know, good to go through some of those teams that lost their streaks. It, it was really nice to spend 15 or 20 minutes talking about the flower. I think it's well-deserved. Um, you know, your hatred for the Islanders truly came through today for a Long Island kid. We'll have to monitor that, make sure uh, there's no SOS for you this year when they start picketing outside your apartment. But I think that's all we got today. We appreciate uh, everybody listening in, watching the show today. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to the Daily Faceoffs YouTube page. Um, we're constantly cutting our clips from the show, bringing in interviews, doing shorts. Um, we'll try to get a good guest for you later this week. We're not sure who that may be. Um, we're excited. We've got All Star coming up, and uh, that's all I got, Johnny. Good job today. Thanks to to my co-host Johnny Lazarus. You're gonna let me get a word in or no? Vic, oh, did you did you want to say something? <laughs> I was just gonna say like there's a lot to watch tonight. <laughs> Islanders, Islanders in Winnipeg. Colby's gonna break down how to get to the rink in Winnipeg again for everybody. <laughs> uh, that's a big one for them. But also, I think the must-watch game tonight is Oilers and Maple Leafs. That's gonna be uh, a really good tilt in Toronto, in Edmonton. Excuse me. So um, some good games. Everybody just just assumes tonight. the Leafs are gonna win that game. By the way, our producer thinks it's a done deal. So if the Leafs lose tonight, blame our producer Vic. Yes, but that's all I wanted to say. So thanks for giving me the time. And go ahead. Me now to you speak. took the ball from me as I was rolling to so, go finish it off. Thanks to everyone that was involved in the chat today. Sorry we didn't get to any questions. We usually try to get to people in the chat. I'm sure we will tomorrow. Um, so don't go anywhere tomorrow morning. Come right back here at 9 a.m. Get in the chat. We'll talk to you. We love talking to you. So thank you for listening. Thank you to Vic. Thank you to Colby. Thank you to Frank. And we'll talk to everybody tomorrow.